Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, presented by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. I'd like for you to turn to, we're going to share for a few moments here. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus says to him, You shall love the Lord your God. Say love. Tell your neighbor, love. Okay. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Every part of you, God says, this is the Lord's command. But whatever he commands, he gives grace for you to obey and flow in that. So the grace of the Lord is there for you to do what the Lord is saying. So you're going to love the Lord your God. Through all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, every aspect of you, including your emotions. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Say love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So as we want to serve the Lord, the Lord said, love. Love your God. Love the Lord with all your might. And also love your neighbor as yourself. Not just simply love, but love like you love yourself. And you would, if there was something going to happen to you and your wrist or your foot or something is in danger, you will take it out of the way immediately. In the same way, the Lord says, think of your neighbor also. And... Uh, this defines. It's one of the first things. Love, therefore, as this lawyer was asking the Lord, what is the biggest, the, in most, the greatest commandment? This is love is the greatest commandment. And love your neighbor as yourself. But This is not without the Lord. The Lord's presence is with you, as he says, love. So his grace is there. And uh, uh, for me, I, mean, I hope you don't mind my sharing some experience in that realm that I never had experienced the liquid love of God. And in about the early 70s, 71, 72 onwards, I was met with a major challenge, major pain, and I got the news that my mother was dead, found bone cancer in her body, and it had spread all over. And I, I was devastated. And she was asking, I just want to see my son, meaning me, because I, I was in university in another country. And, uh, and I couldn't, at that time it was real difficult even to come up with, uh, but I wouldn't have to borrow the money. But I didn't have enough at that time to go see her. And it broke my heart. It, I just wept for see, about three days. And then the glory of the Lord came while I was sleeping and stayed with me. And I was in that presence of the Lord uh, with light all around me and light singing to me. And the, it was the voice of glory. And then I, it's in that experience, I stayed in that glory all night long. I woke up around six or so. But all night long, I was around that heavenly glory. And I was, when I woke up, I woke, woke myself up, but I was 
singing as loud as I could. It's crazy. And I was singing in a tongue I had never learned. I had never known any of this. This was, I learned about it later. But part of that infilling was the greatest amount of love I had ever experienced. And it was like I was bubbling out with love. I couldn't stop singing. I tried to stop, it would start bubbling out. And uh, one of the symptoms, by the way, of my upbringing was such, it was, it was from an Indian background. My mom, my dad, of course, and my sisters and brothers that were brought up as Hindus. And one of the things that, it's almost like a propaganda, but you're not over-familiar with people. You don't. And part of the training was I, I was, it was difficult for me to shake anyone's hands, especially a woman. I could not, you know, American culture, everybody is equal. We say hello and all that. In the culture I came from, uh, you don't, you're not over familiar with any woman. You have to have, oh, and it was, it was quite something. And then when I got zapped from that, I mean, I was a lover. I wanted to hug everybody. It did not matter, male, female, donkey, horse. Did, I loved, I wanted to hug. And I, that was the farthest thing I would ever think I would be. I didn't, no, no way would I. It was, I barely would shake hands. So hugging, no way. And I woke up and I w became a lover. And uh, started greeting everybody from that day on, hugging them. And I said, what has happened? Well, the Lord poured his heavenly glory into me to such a degree that, I mean, I was... Anytime I was not with somebody, I was praying in tongues. And it would just flow out of me. Well, it was part of the symptoms when God says, love your neighbor as yourself. But love will fill you. And I pray that even today, God will fill you more. There's an inexhaustible supply of the Holy Spirit's love. It is not you. I realized it was not me. If I had a choice, I would just, uh, I couldn't. And then I used to have, you, you won't believe this, but I used to have bouts that it would attack me where it would, it was depression. I couldn't go out of the house even because I was, there's a spirit of depression. It was a spirit. And the, as I was that week in the presence of the glory, that the Lord, I remember something coming out of my mouth and I realized the Lord chased away the spirit of depression. And as he filled me, I mean, I became, like I said, I became a hugger. So I'd hug everybody. And uh, it was connected with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that he transforms you. So when he says, I want you to love the Lord and I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And you see, that's nice to say, but where does it come from? Well, the Lord himself provides that love. It is an aspect of his pouring out his Holy Spirit upon you. And the love of Jesus comes upon you. And then the things that would scare you, wouldn't scare you one bit when the things that would in any way put anxiety or fear in you, God pouring out his love on you, that is, I mean, without measure. And uh, then you can overcome where the love is there. It doesn't matter. Uh, used to be I was not comfortable 
if I had to be around people who are terminal or something. Then, after, after this baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, was, I knew God is real. Jesus is real. And he's a healer, part of the thing. And I would look for people who had any kind of handicaps to pray for them. So I know, obviously, you need touch from God. And I'm, can I pray for you? I would ask permission. But it, I'm glad I calmed down a little bit. But it was overwhelming. Such love for people. And therefore, I mean, I took that uh, opportunity to work for the, at that time, they called them, we uh, used to call, to say, retarded. That's not a proper language now, but uh, we would call it mentally infirm or just the, the mental age of these children that would be 30 years old physically but mentally two years at the most three years and they were hiring and they, the qualifications I had and the training I had I, the moment I applied I was hired but I was, I was had to work had to clean uh, children who had very little control over their bathroom functions. And it, before this Holy Spirit and filling, baptism Holy Spirit, whatever you want to say, I would have kind of been a little bit nervous. Now, I loved every one of those kids and they became my kids almost. I mean, I was there and I loved them and in that context then, there was, a, I think I've talked that, about that in my book, Only Love Can Make a Miracle. There was a reason why I put the title, because it, I realized that it's an aspect of love that healing comes, God pours up. But I felt like part of the weakness in the charismatic, I mean, it was wonderful in many ways, but we put it like list of things. Now and this you're going to get the gift of the word of knowledge and the gift of prophecy and all the asset. It's all mixed together. <laughs> and the Lord may tell you this is the gift of prophecy or the gift of word of knowledge. And they're also all wonderful. But my love for little Stevie was such, I mean, they were, their parents, his parents, had signed him over. They didn't want to do anything with this Down syndrome, severely mentally handicapped kid. I, I could see, I mean, I was allowed to see the history so because I, they were, I, was allowed, I was commissioned to train them. And, uh, but in that love then, when we love, then I believe it makes the avenue for other, I mean, anointings to come. So love is one of the major aspects. When, as you love, then things pour out. As I loved little Stevie, then I was totally concerned about his being a mutilator. He would, all the 24 hours a day, he would beat himself if he had not been tied up. So we would have to keep him tied up uh, so he wouldn't beat himself. And I said, Lord, he cries when he's put in ropes. But if we untie it, then he will beat himself. And his face was like an alligator skin because he had beaten himself over and over for years. I said, Lord, what is the answer? And it was out of love. It wasn't like I didn't think of him as a candidate. Well, I, now I can pray for candidate number two. No, I love Steve like he was my own. He had Down syndrome so severely. He had mentally very in inadequate. But I, I said, Lord, what's the answer? And I heard clearly this kind. I mean, our voice said, this kind does not come out except through prayer and fasting. And then I realized that, that was the voice of the Holy Spirit 
but it was because love responds to love. And I got that word. Basically then, if I did not love, why should I care for that kid? And I loved them. It was like my own kid. And I was going to fast. Of course I'll fast. And I didn't know anything about fasting at that time. I had four years of Bible school. <laughs> they had never broached that subject. And, uh, and I fasted. First three days, I didn't understand how to fast. I did without food and water. Fourth day, I was getting going crazy. Wanted a drink so bad. And the Lord gave me permission. I heard people flushing the toilet, and I was jealous. Uh, because I wanted a drink so badly. And then the Lord allowed me. Then I started drinking water, but it was on the 14th day I prayed. I wanted to see this in the context of love. It was love that made me say, I, I am willing to do anything for the Lord. And if it takes prayer and fasting, I will fast for this. And that's in that context is how I learn uh, the principles of fasting and prayer. So it is love, I believe. Because it's, it's a, we have thought of it as a bunch of theology, but it's not. It's real life. And in life, we receive, we ask for, we receive. As in Acts chapter 2, and they were in one place in one accord, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The a wonderful wind came in and whirled around them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But it was not some religious thing. It was an awesome life-changing experience. So, and each of you who have asked, to, as you are born again, as you have had to receive the Holy Spirit, it is powerful, and it makes you flow in the anointing, and then other things follow. As you love, you find it easy to forgive. It is love that makes you care. And it is love that makes you generous with people who have needs. And then it is love that says other nations and other people need this message. And they treasure the ability to be able to uh, help spread the word of God and the message of Jesus Christ. So the other aspect of the love is Love makes you uh, not focus on little details. It's not the big thing. It's, it's, I mean, it's not the little details. It's the big word. I'm supposed to love. And Jesus was representative of love. And people came because he represented love. And in that love was forgiveness. In that love was healing. In that love was compassion. So Lord, give us more love. Love, love, love. I mean, if I can explain. <laughs> what is it about the Lord? It is love. And because he loved you, he died for you. Because he loved you, took all your curses. And the one truth, well, a major truth, therefore, is you are loved. God loves you. And receive that. And therefore, from that overflow of love, you can give generously to other things. You will never be bankrupt of love. It will be like a well that never runs dry. It's an inexhaustible supply. of, And then with it, comes power. Uh, the Pharisees, in opposition of what, what Jesus and his disciples represented, there were then the Pharisees. They really wanted to obey the Lord. In fact, the Pharisees had 613 laws, and they tried to keep every one of the 613 laws. And they got so involved in the little details, 
you failed here, you failed here, and that they forgot that their existence, all the supply of knowledge that they had about God, was useless because they did they did not focus on the needs of the people. They were involved more in I've got to obey God. There are 613 laws. And, and then they used, they turned it around on people and used to hammer people with these laws. And uh, so part of the thing of receiving love and flowing in the love is do not get distracted by little religious details. Focus on the bigger things. Jesus loves you. God the Father sent Jesus Christ because he loves you. And, uh, and I, I, I'm very proud, I want you to know, of the history of this nation, for example. This country has been, as you look at its history, no country has been as generous as this country. And I mean, other countries have also been in line to help people when they go through hurricanes and, and tsunamis and earthquakes. This is one of the primary nations that sends help. First, almost always, first in line to help people who are in desperate need. And I remember personally, we were involved in trying to help people where there was great devastation in New Orleans and then in Houston. And I was in touch with some of the churches and they were so, I mean, they loved the Lord so much. And then there was these people who are in need and they said, we're going to organize. We're going to do this. And uh, we were keeping abreast of what, uh, what other churches were doing. And we combined with them, tried to, to see that people, I mean, there were many people who had no food for days, sometimes weeks. And our church, we were involved in helping uh, raise money to feed, to buy the rations to feed these people. But that is really, I believe, that God wants us to be refreshed in the power of love. Praise God. Did you? Uh, Pastor Mahesh, while you're sharing about your own testimony and some of the things that you experienced and then that the Lord anointed you for, an aspect I think that occurs to me is that the love of God, God's kind of love, is a result of freedom. And, you know, you were talking about how before you had these things that kept you bound in certain ways of thinking and feeling and living. And as the Lord freed you, the result was the experience not only personally of his love, but having that love as an outflow for others. And it wasn't even a rational decision, so to speak, as it was what the Bible says, the fruit of the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it was him that was flowing out. And like little Stevie, what he experienced, the love of God, was a result of being freed from those things that held him. Um, I was thinking this morning of, about this. We had talked about it some last night. And the, the word freedom is one of the things that occurred to me. And in Galatians 5, 13 through 15, it says, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But um, over against that is 1 Corinthians 13, where, you know, it, it says if I have the gift of prophecy and revelation and give my body to be burned and all that, but don't love, I haven't gained anything, which seems like a contradiction. But he's talking about the difference between the freedom of God in us to love as 
equals, I guess you could say. Um, I, I, I wrote down a, a couple of things in Romans 4:25. It says that Jesus was delivered for our offenses and raised for our justification. And I think that it's in the resurrection that we see the demonstration of the freedom of the love of God. And in the resurrection, what does it say in Ephesians 2, 6? It says that he has made us alive together with him. And it's this unbelievable truth that Jesus has raised us up to be his equal. And I think that's one of the aspects of the revelation of love, where suddenly the caste system, if you will, is taken away. And those things that would otherwise hinder or restrict or incite, all of those things are taken away when the caste system is removed, so to speak. But it says that he has made, speaking of the resurrection, has made us alive together with him, has raised us up together with him, and has made us sit together with him in his throne. And, so, and it, the biblical illustration of that is the idea of being face to face. Like when God met Moses in the wilderness, and here was Moses, a condemned man, and an exile forever, and suddenly the God of Israel meets him on a desert floor face to face as equals, so to speak, and sends Moses in that same liberation or same authority to liberate, to free the people of Israel to love and serve God. So I think that it's the, the freedom of God. And we see that in what God did in the gospel. The father exercised the freedom to give his son. If you stop and think about that, any natural father would much rather die himself than have his child die. And so we see the freedom of God the Father to love by being willing that his son be given up. And likewise in Jesus. Jesus, what did he say? He said, um, I'm the good shepherd in John 10. He said, and I know my own. And you can hear this thing of him claiming us as his own. And again, it's, it's a hard concept but he has literally made us equals to him in this redemption that he has given us. And he says, I know my own and my own know me, even as the father knows me I, and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep which are not of this fold and I must bring them also and they shall hear my voice and shall become one flock with one shepherd. So we see that again. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. So we see there his power and his authority and his freedom over his own life. And so he gives it not because he has to, but because he wants to. And that's the uniqueness of the kind of the love of God. It's, it's that that joy in giving that frankly is supernatural. We have a human urge to save ourselves, shelter ourselves, defend ourselves, care for ourselves. And that's why it says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's speaking of that natural human urge. But the love of God goes beyond that. And it, it's, he says, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. And there's the freedom. Do you see that? My own initiative. This is my choice, my freedom, my authority, my power to serve, to sacrifice, to give. I have authority to lay it down, Jesus again speaking. And I have authority to take it up again. This commandment, the commandment not to lay down his life, but the fact that Jesus, equal to the Father, 
has the freedom and authority to give himself for our offenses and then be raised that we might be completely justified. So there's something in the demonstration of the resurrection that is like the consummation, the wholeness of the love of God manifest. And um, another thought that I had is that it, the, um, if you remember Charles Dickens' novel, The Tale of Two Cities, and I know in the 1930s, I think 1935, there was a really moving black and white movie that was made of the story. Obviously, the Charles Dickens story is big and it's complicated, but um, ultimately the, the, the way that it ends is that um, a man named Sidney Carton, who was a lawyer, who has a look-alike named Darnay, and these two men, as young men, fall in love with the same woman. And Darnay ends up marrying her. But Car Carton, is in, Carl Carton is in love with her forever. Well, it's set during the French Revolution. And ultimately what happens is that Carton, Darnay, ends up in the French Revolution as part of the aristocracy. He's in prison and he's going to be executed by the guillotine. And Carton uses his connections to get into the prison cell and he exchanges himself for Darnay. And, you know, they change clothes and everything. He drugs him, puts Darnay um, to sleep. And then ultimately uh, the jailer comes and, you know, they take Carton out to be executed thinking that it's Darnay. And he goes into this room where there are other aristocrats and, and people that have been accused of um, offenses and... Um, you know, plotting revolution and stuff like that. Uh, and um, there's a seamstress there, a, a young woman who's just a seamstress. And she recognizes that the guy is not Darnay, that it's actually Carton. And he tells, he asks her to keep his secret. And she's going to die. And she says, all these other people are afraid, but you're not afraid. And he says, you can hold my hand and essentially we'll be brave together as we go. And at the end, this, the quote that, that Carton says, and in the movie it's, it's really powerful because he and the seamstress are there together and he, he basically is saying, I will give you courage. He's giving his life for someone else and she's watching this happen. And it gives her a kind of peace and redemption in the moment that she's going to lose her own life um, being accused. And he says, I see a beautiful city and a, and a brilliant people rising from this abyss. And he's talking about the horrors of the French Revolution. I see the lives for which I lay down my life, peaceful, useful, prosperous, and happy. I see that I hold a sanctuary in their hearts and in the hearts of their descendants, generations hence, and this is the quote, it is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. And in the movie, when he says that and they go out to the guillotine, that old movie, they actually put up the scripture of Jesus speaking to Mary about the resurrection or death and resurrection of Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. And so, you know, those, those were some of the thoughts. And I think that the gospel and the, what we're talking about today, the freedom of God, his love, the reality, the truth, the transformative power and necessity of the gospel for a society, not just for individuals, is so important. And in my view, if we look back on the last four years even in our nation, the atmosphere, the vacuous darkness that has creeped in to overtake our society. And, you know, I'll, I'll just say, if you look at 
at the mob mentality and everything, for instance, that has evolved since the death of George Floyd. The reality is the lives that have been destroyed and lost and cities that have been burned and the violence and the general um, kind of, of a divisiveness that has continued to be perpetuated shows that there's something amiss. And it reminds me of the same atmosphere that overtook France. You were talking about it earlier, during the French Revolution. And what was the big contrast 20 miles away in England? They were having a revival of the Bible, of the gospel. And that was the one thing and I think it's because, obviously, was the reality of the freedom, the forgiveness, the love of God, the power and hope of the resurrection that was being loosed in one society, whereas in another one, humanism had completely taken over. And in a supposed revolution for justice, it just absolutely became the opposite of that. And I, I personally feel like that is the, the atmosphere that we're dealing with now in our nation. And it has you know, given rise to the woke religion, the cancel culture, so much injustice and frankly irrationality, the society calling, you know, in the name of social justice has gone insane and everything has been turned upside down. And there is, like Bonhoeffer says, there is no light except the church. There is no truth except the church. And so all the more, I think for us, when we see these seasons as, as reprehensible and as difficult and as frightening and as painful as they are, it shines the light on the absolute relevance of our lives as believers in a generation and in fact the calling of God to entrust us with a difficult season and be the ones who are the carriers or the bearers of the good news. And by his grace, it is because of the resurrection that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. So he has called us to love, but we can't do it in a human sense. Again, I'll just contrast it. I think that humanistic thinking about what happened in the George Floyd death that has perpetuated protests and riots, and many more people have been killed and lives destroyed and all that. You can't call that justice. There's no good resolution in that. And the opposite is what we see in Jesus, and the only possibility of that being demonstrated is in those who know him and have been quickened, have been made alive with him in the resurrection, and are literally currently now seated with him face to face as his equals. He's done it. We didn't do it. He did it. But in that same sense then, we being able to give that freedom, to give that love, and be the bearers of, of good news and of hope. So I think that, you know, face to face, um, it says in, in uh, Thessalonians 3.12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. And so, amen. May the Lord, you know, anoint us, free us, and fill us more and more because the world has no answer. 
human justice has no answer except the love of God. And that love comes because he is free to love us and he has made us free to love him and to love one another. The virtue is that, again, it's not human effort. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit power. Yeah. That's what it makes it different. You're not relying on your own abilities. The Lord will and it does anoint us. And so we, church is there to serve and whenever we can. That would be a good beginning. And it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 in the Message Bible, here it is, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as a day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. So th this is, these are some of the words from the apostle that kind of help us and guide us. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will over, be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth. What we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incomplete will be canceled. So, this is part of love. And then, there are further, the Lord comforts us by telling us in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 onwards, it says, So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? God doesn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us. Embracing our condition, exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son. Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by message, by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, nor hatred, nor hunger. Not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing. Not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We are sitting ducks that pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. I think that they're just those scripture speaks for them, ours, for us, that it is in the power of God and in the love of God. And we stay in the love. And may the love flow. God's not demanding things that we are not able to do with his power and anointing. Let the love flow. And whenever 
It says to serve, to help in the littlest things. I believe you're going to make a difference. And today, I have faith that he's going to instill in us fresh waves of love, fresh waves of glory, just as the rain comes to freshen the ground. May the fresh rain of the love of God come on each of us to charge your batteries once again that we can serve and bless bless our kids bless our neighbors bless our friends bless the church but it is out of the love of God and I'll tell you I was praying for someone yesterday evening for they were going to have some surgery and I've sensed a little bit of fear and anxiety I said God loves you you're not going to be alone he's right there with you and you love him back and just celebrate God's going to take care of this so I believe more than ever that this is the time for more of the flow of love in you and that with that there'll be more miracles the power of God is limitless you are going to be a vessel I really have a faith that God wants to use each of you in a wonderful way but he will be in there there are times where Bonnie and I have been on and either she gets a word or I'll get a word in a restaurant. And one of us will have a breakthrough and uh, prophetic words for people, whatever. And it, it just, may the gift of the Spirit also be quickened with that love then. Uh, and so the ability to be able to share will get more anointed you will have more open doors for love and ministry to others. Hallelujah. Amen. Put your hand on your heart, if you will. And tell the Lord. I'm ready to love even more, Lord. charge each of us as we charge our iPad, iPhone may you charge us with fresh, fresh love and love never gives up love cares more for others than for self love doesn't want what it doesn't have love doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't have forced itself on others. It's not always me first. Doesn't lose its temper, doesn't keep score on the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Don't look back. Keep going forward because love will never die. Lord, we depend on your love. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Charge us. Charge our batteries, Lord, with your supernatural love. Let healing flow. Let restoration flow. Let lives be changed. Let salvations happen. Let it rain, Lord. Wonderful, wonderful, Lord. Amen. Amen. This morning, I saw while we were praying that there was someone, your teeth need healing, your gums, your tooth, that he was healing people's mouth area. Thank you, Lord. Touch your mouth if you need healing. 
Thank you, Lord. Healing in the jaw. It's, by the way, one of the most unusual things is one of the big areas needs prayer and deliverance is your teeth. It's strange. I thought if you go into sorcery or something, there could be a major deliverance. I found praying for people that sometimes, I mean, even manifestation, it's a trouble after, in, over generation after generation. So may the Lord deliver you from any infirmity in your jaw, in your teeth. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I'm a lover. Say, I'm a lover. Amen. And a hugger. The whole, I've been so frustrated by the, this whole COVID thing that, and did you hear that? I mean, it really touched me, that woman who was speaking about her kids. I said, when are you let us, let my children at least be free having to wear a mask? She was quite eloquent. So, but hug your children. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you would like to have prayer, if you want to have a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have never tell, spoken in tongues, for example. I'm not saying you have to, but that's a sign you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It will really bless you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it'd be good for you to come up get prayer from my good friends here who the guys who are helping me pray come on up please uh, hallelujah thank you thank you thank you and just come and get prayer and yeah please this is your time Michael will lead us in worship please sow your tithe your offering We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.